Praise God. Doesn't it make you want to shout when you think about our Lord Jesus Christ? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning before we get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that though we have rebelled against you and sinned against you and we are deserving of your wrath and judgment, Lord God, in your grace, you have sent the way of salvation. You have made the way for us to Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, that makes us want to shout and praise your glorious name. Oh Lord, draw our hearts all the more closer to Jesus today. as we see the wonder of your grace. This I ask in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me this morning to Jonah. Jonah, we're working through, looking at the story of Jonah, God's unwilling prophet and God's unyielding grace. And today we look at this book and we see a God of second chances. Amen? Praise the Lord that God is a God of second chances. We'll be looking at the whole chapter of chapter 3. We've already seen Jonah, the disobedient prophet. He has ran from God's calling, and God, by His grace, through judgment, has brought him back and now is giving him his second chance. If you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? 
God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Jane was 16 years old when she became pregnant with her first child. It was quite a shock to her. She didn't know what to do. Instinct was to keep the child and have the child and, and raise it up. But of course, her boyfriend wanted nothing to do with a child. He didn't want to become a father at such a young age. She began to think about her parents, what they might think. She began to think about the town, the people at church, the people in her community, what they might think. And so Jane decided to go down to the local abortion clinic and abort this baby. Of course, the doctors and nurses there, they told her, oh, well, it's no big deal, really. I mean, it's just a, a, a mass of cells. It's not really a child. You're not really ending a life. But after the abortion, after she began to heal physically, the guilt began to set in. An amazing thing, even though the doctors who are pro-abortion will claim that that is just a mass of cells, not really a baby, yet real guilt sets into the hearts of those mothers and fathers who choose to have those babies murdered. Jane didn't know what to do as the guilt began to crush her. What can I do? How is it possible that God could ever forgive me for what I have done? Perhaps there's some even here today. Maybe you've had dealings with an abortion. Or maybe not an abortion, but some other thing. That you look at your past and you look at that event in your life and you think, how can God ever forgive me and love me for that? Praise God that our God is a God of second chances. Dear friend, today as we look at this passage, we discover this, that no matter what you have done in the past, turn to God and trust in His saving grace. 
Because God is a God of second chances. That's worth saying again, isn't it? No matter what you have done in the past, no matter what, turn to God and trust in His saving grace because God is a God of second chances. Now, as we look at this story this morning, I want to start with addressing some objections to the passage. I said that I was going to do this throughout the book because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say that, that Jonah is just a, 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 a fiction tale, a fictitious tale. That's, it's kind of a parable, if you will, that's just, just to get by a moral point. But Jesus presented Jonah as a true historic a historical story, a true historical event that took place. And, and as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that Jonah isn't just some fable, but it is a true, actual event that took place in real history. Now, we've already talked about the whale and all of that stuff, or the fish, uh, but let's look at this chapter and think about a couple of uh, objections that are raised against uh, Jonah due to this chapter. First of all, it is the fact that the book says that Nineveh was a three days journey in breadth. A and the people will say, well, well, see, that just points to the fact right there that this is not an actual event because Nineveh, we can go there and the, and the place has been excavated and there's no way that Nineveh was ever three days journey in breadth. That's just made-up uh, foolishness. But consider the fact that uh, often, even in our day, it was true then and it is true now, that a lot of times when we talk about a large city, we don't just talk about the, the center part of the city, that, that within the, the, the city limits, if you will. But oftentimes we talk about the region of the city. Uh, for instance, when we lived in Perryville, if I would go off to, to a place where people don't know Arkansas, they don't, especially don't know where little old Perryville is, I would tell them if they asked me, where are you from? I'm from Little Rock. People know Little Rock. Uh, think about our missionary that we just adopted in Boston. Now, if you look at his address, it, it shows that he's from uh, Arlington, Massachusetts, not Boston. And, and when you look at the map of the Boston area, area you, you see that around Boston there's all kinds of places like, uh, 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 like Cambridge and all of these other different places. Now, if you ask people who live in those outer regions, they would tell you, I'm from Boston, not wherever else. So uh, we have a tendency, even ourselves, to, to associate a certain region with a, a large city. And that was the same thing then. When it says that Nineveh was three days' journey in breadth, he's looking at the, the surrounding area, not just the, the city that was enclosed with these walls, but he's looking at all the area around it, the rural area that surrounded the city as well. And, and when you take in all of that into consideration, you can see that Nineveh was truly a three days' journey in breadth. 
A second would be that uh, he calls the king of Assyria here the king of Nineveh. Now, why, why would he do that? But again, it was common to associate a king with the capital city. Uh, some might have called David the king of Jerusalem because he, that was his capital city. And it was common to do so then. But also you take into consideration that this was a time in the Assyrian history when, when there was weakness in the Assyrian nation. There was a lot of civil unrest within the nation. And so the king of Assyria probably didn't have the, the strength as he might have had in previous generations, and that would be uh, true in uh, future generations. And so that might be another reason that they call him king of Nineveh. So you see all of these objections, they have answers. We just have to choose to believe God's word for what it is. Truth. God does not lie. This is a real event that took place in real history. So now, let's get to the heart of the, the passage then, the heart of the message. Jonah 3, 1 begins, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Now, we remember that Jonah, the first time that the word of the Lord came to him, uh, Jonah did the opposite of what he was told to do told to do right and in chapter 1 verse 1 now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amati saying arise go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish farthest place on the map that he could go from the presence of the Lord and we know from Jonah's disobedience, this led to the judgment of God as God came to him on the sea. And God raised up a storm against Jonah because of his disobedience. Because of his disobedience, he was cast into the sea of God's judgment. But even as he was beginning to drown in the sea of God's judgment, Jonah repented of his sin. Turned to God in His grace and cried out to the Lord. And what happened? The Lord answered. The Lord heard him in his distress. The Lord heard his repentance. And when Jonah repented, God responded with saving grace. Jonah didn't deserve that. Jonah had, had committed high treason against the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we know that even in our day, the judgment for high treason is death. Because of his disobedience, because of his rebellion, Jonah deserved death. But God gave him grace. Praise the Lord, friends, that God is a God of second chances for believers. God is a God of second chances 
for believers. Though Jonah deserved God's judgment, though Jonah deserved eternal death for what he did, for his treason against the Lord his God, when he repented, God responded with grace. God is a God of second chances for those who believe. You see this in Jonah, but uh, maybe you, you think, well, Jonah didn't do that big, you know, it wasn't that bad. Jonah didn't do that bad a thing. He, he just disobeyed God and kind of ran off from God. And maybe even you might say that, well, it, that, has, that, that can't even compare to what I have done. Well, think about another person in the Bible who rebelled against God, who committed high treason. Even David, David, King David, a man after God's own heart, committed adultery, committed adultery with another man's wife, and then had that man sent out to be killed on the front lines to cover it up. He was an adulterer and a murderer. Yet when he cried out to God in repentance, God answered with grace and gave even David a second chance. Praise the Lord that God is a God of second chances for those who believe. Perhaps you're here today and you, you've been disobedient. You've been disobeying God. God has been telling you, here's what you need to do. You need to follow me. You need to do my will. You need to follow my will. And you, like Jonah, have been running away from God. God is a God of second chances for those who believe. Will you trust Him? Will you repent and trust in His grace? Oh, what a great message. And then as we move on then from taking our view off of Jonah, God's messenger, we look to those whom Jonah is sent. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. God had sent Jonah to Nineveh because the evil of Nineveh had risen up to him. It had come up before him. And so Nineveh was a place uh, of evil. Uh, you understand that, that this was a, a place of, of paganism. They were far away from God. Far away from God. But look what happens. God says, God tells Jonah, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now what was the message that he was sent to preach? Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, we just, we're just given a a small portion of Jonah's message. 
I don't think that was the whole message. I think there was more to Jonah's message. One, one God had told him at the very beginning, uh, go and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. I believe, and, and especially as we begin to look at the response of the Ninevites, at, at the very least, God's message was a, a message of warning. Yet 40 days, Nineveh will fall because your evil has risen before the Creator, God. And so here is the message. Jonah is sent to, to sound the warning to Nineveh, that great city, a city of, of paganism. A city that has never known the love of God. Who has never fo followed Yahweh. But a city that has been chasing after evil. Chasing after the things of this world. Chasing after idols. Yet the Lord, our God, sends a man to go and declare a warning to the people of Nineveh. Then notice Nineveh's response. Notice the people's response. As Jonah cries out, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed God. And not only did they believe God, but they, they repented. They turned away from their evil. How amazing is this here that a pagan nation, a people who, who has never known Yahweh, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, they have never known Him. Yet here the Lord comes in His grace crying out, yet 40 days and this city will fall. And they hear God they believe God they have enough faith to turn away from from their evil and trust God dear friend what does that tell us as you look out into the world there are people that that you know that you have looked at it and you've seen and you've said there is no way there's no way that that person will come to faith in Christ. As you look out at the peoples, the people groups across the world, and you, you look at, at the different people groups, and you look at the, the Muslims over in, in Iraq and Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, and you say, there's no way that those people will ever come to Christ. Jonah cried out a warning against a pagan nation who had never known God. And they believed. Let us not lose hope in the lost. Never lose hope in the lost. God's Word is a powerful Word. And it does great work in the hearts of sinners. So the people of Nineveh, they respond. They believe God. They believe His message. And they turn away. They repent. 
But let's look here then at the nature of repentance. Look at the nature of repentance. First of all, the Ninevites, they believed God. Repentance requires that you believe God, that you, you hear His Word, you believe. Jonah cried out, your sins, your evil has risen up to Yahweh, the God of the heavens and the earth. What you have been doing, the, uh, the way you have been doing, the lifestyle that you have been living, it is an offense to the Creator, God. And because of your offense, God is going to judge you. And they believed. They didn't say, ah, oh, sure, thank yeah, whatever you... They believed. Here's the word of the Lord. And they believe. Repentance, first of all, requires believing God's word. Second, they mourn over their sin. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then if you go over to, to verse 6, the second half of that, it talks about the king of Nineveh. He heard the, the word of the Lord. The word reached him, and he rose from his throne. He removed all of his royal garments. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he called a, a national fast. What is all of this putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes? This is the people coming, becoming convicted for their sin. And they come convicted and they begin to, to see that their sin truly is an offense before God. And they mourn over their sin. Dear friends, repentance is not just, oh well, oh, yeah, I guess what I've done, it's offended God, so I better say I'm sorry. Sorry, God. Sorry, just don't throw me in hell, God. But I really just want to keep on doing what I'm doing. I really want to keep on living the way I'm living. Sorry if I've offended you, right? That's not repentance. That's not repentance. I'm sorry if I've offended you, but you should grow up, right? Repentance is, is seeing the vileness of our sin. Seeing our sin as a stitch in the nostrils of God. And being so sorry about that. That we mourn over our sin. These people fell down to the ground in mourning over their sin. They understood that it's not just some little thing. They offended God. And it broke them. The king saw he was not worthy of his royal garments and he took them off. He covered himself in rags. Have you ever been so sorry over your sin? Have you ever so mourned your sin? Not thinking it, oh, it's no big deal. Everybody does it. It's an offense to God. It's an offense to God. It's so vile and disgusting that He sent His Son to die for it. 
How can we be so flippant with sin? Repentance means that you see the vileness of sin and you mourn over your sin against God. Repentance is believing in God and it is mourning over the vileness of your sin. And third, there's a genuine turn from evil, from sin, and turn to God. There's a genuine turning away from sin, turning away from evil, and turning to God. The king says, let everyone turn from his evil. Turn away from your evil. Turn to God. Turn away from the evil. Turn away from the violence that is in in His hands. Turn away from sin and evil and turn to God. That is true repentance. There are so many people that, that think repentance means walking an aisle and saying a prayer. That's not repentance. That's not repentance. Repentance is is knowing God's Word, believing God's Word that your sin has offended God, that your sin is is uh, worthy of eternal judgment to God. Mourning over that sin. Turning away from it and turning to God. You've never truly repented Turning to God in faith. Dear friend, you're on the way to hell. And I plead with you this morning. Plead with you. Believe God. Believe God. Turn to Him today. And what happens when a person truly repents? God responds to repentance. God responds to repentance. Jonah 3.10 When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that He had said He would do to them, and He did not do it. God is a God of second chances for all who believe. God is a God of second chances for all who believe. For this pagan people who never knew God. When they repented from their their evil and turned to God, God responded. He responded and He forgave them. God is a God of second chances for all of us. For me, for you, for all who will believe. Romans 3, 24 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And you see, dear friend, that is the key. Jesus is the key. 
Jonah points us to the redemption that can only be found in Jesus Christ. God is a God of second chances because of Jesus. God is a God of second chances because of Jesus. Romans 3, 23, you read that on out to 26. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. That is an atoning sacrifice. That is a sacrifice that, that receives the wrath of God and satisfies the judgment of God because of our sins. God put Him forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Why was God able to pass over the evil of Nineveh and relent from the disaster that He had planned for them? It was because of Jesus. That's what that verse is saying. How was God able to pass over former sins? The sins of, of Israel, the believing Israelites in the past, and, and even, I believe, this generation of Ninevites. How was he able to pass over that sin? Sin still must be judged. God is a righteous God, and he must judge sin. How was he able to pass over it? Because of Jesus. How is he able to pass over your sin and your rebellion? Because of Jesus. Because He put your sins on Jesus' back. And Jesus died. He paid the price of redemption so that you and I can find forgiveness. You and I can know God's grace and mercy. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption as in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, friend, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe God's Word? Do you believe? Jesus proclaimed to the religious people of His day, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. That was to the religious of his day. There are people in this church who have never truly repented, who have never been convicted by your sin, have never understood the vileness of your sin. Oh, maybe you've bought fire insurance. You, you said, uh-huh, to the right words. You, you, you've prayed some little prayer that somebody led you through, and you think, oh, well, I'm good now but you've never mourned over sin. You've never truly repented from your life of disobedience, your life of rebellion, and you are on your way to hell. The Word of God is before you today. 
Judgment is coming. Repent. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus Christ. And know His saving grace. Do you believe? No matter what you've done in your life, dear friend. No matter what you've done. No matter how ugly it was. No matter how awful you believe it was. If we turn to God and trust in His saving grace, He'll forgive you. Because our God is a God of second chance. Oh, Heavenly Father, Oh God, how well we know our sin. And God, it's so easy for us at times to sit back and think, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as that gal. we can make light of our sin our rebellion against you we can justify ourselves oh Lord let us see vileness the stench of our sin convict us Cut us to the core. Us to mourn our sin. And Lord, let us trust in your saving grace. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Today, perhaps you're here and you know in the, your heart of hearts that you're like those Ninevites. You've been living in disobedience to God. And if you continue down the road you're headed, you're on the road to hell. Your friend, let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day of salvation. Be broken by your sin. And turn the mercy of God. Lead us, brother.